Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, great to be back off of the uh, day off yesterday. Hey, let's be honest, it wasn't really a day off. It was uh, it was a few hours to make sure that my voice would last in the evening. Uh, that's what it was. Thanks to uh, to Mark and Hunter for filling in yesterday. I'm Josh Pacheco. In for Chris and Gary, it is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. We've got Thursday night football kicking off in about 20 minutes between the Bills and the Patriots uh, with uh, Buffalo probably playing its worst football all year. New England trying to hang around the uh, the postseason race. We've got like a top 15 college basketball game right now with uh, Creighton taking on uh, Texas. We got so much taking place, uh, but yet I still cannot get over what happened yesterday at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center, uh, especially the end of the game between Texas A&M Commerce and Hawaii, with, I mean, it's been well documented at this point, an inbound pass that was uh, intended to go to a, a Texas A&M Commerce player who ran into an official uh, ball was kept in bounds. Official blows his whistle. Jovan McClanahan takes a shot, hits it with what would have been his only field goal of the game, would have given Hawaii a lead with point one remaining. Called off as uh, the whistle blew before the shot. Turned out, yeah, uh, official uh, blew his whistle. Uh, it, kind of inadvertent in a way, um, but forced Hawaii into a sideline out of bounds where Kamaka Hepa would miss a shot off of the inbound uh, and Texas A&M Commerce, and I don't know that a lot of people expected it, but Texas A&M Commerce uh, going, uh, coming to Hawaii 48 hours after playing a game at home against uh, Arlington Baptist and picking up its uh, its third win of the season. In the What is kind of tough about how much time we have spent on what would ultimately be the second to last play of the game is that the second to last play of the game should have never been a play that, um, you know, that, that we'd be talking about as much as we have. Uh, And it goes both ways. One, you credit Hawaii uh, for its ability to battle back. It was down double digits for a good chunk of the second half. Hawaii was able to battle back, get it to a point where it was within a couple of possessions and then within one possession um, and uh, un- unfortunately a loss, but you know, got it there uh, in, in, a, in a game that was just an incredibly poor shooting night for both teams. On the other hand, uh, it should have never gotten there because Texas a and I mean, both of these teams shot poorly from the field, but it should have never gotten there uh because Texas A&M should have uh, Texas A&M Commerce could not find a way to close Hawaii out. I mean, it, it really was the tale of two ends that didn't deserve an ending like last night. 
Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, that ending is, is going to be talked about for a while. But it really should have never gotten to that at all. Ultimately, it's a punch-in-the-gut moment for Hawaii. That uh, a game like that, which was your final test before going uh, going to Las Vegas, well, more so Henderson next week, and uh, and, and taking on UNLV at the Dollar Loan Center, um, you know, this was really your dress rehearsal. UNLV is undefeated and may stay undefeated uh, by the time Hawaii and, and the Rebels play in six days. They are what I believe a legitimate NCAA tournament team. And, you know, coming off of uh, three games that you could feel good about for the most part in Laie, that, you know, this is a great opportunity to build off of that against a transitioning D1 uh, D1 team. But also remember, a team that has NCAA Division II postseason experience, it's not like it's a team that is, uh, you know, bad in Division II and going into Division One. um, you know, just happy to be here. Um, you know, they've played some tough games. They struggled to learn how to win. And I don't know that this team truly does indeed know how to win. Um, but but really, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I think there's a lot of self-reflection that uh, I, I think really comes into play here on both sides, but I think uh, I, I think more so Hawaii after watching yesterday i gotta give uh, the the lions some credit though and and their head coach who i think i don't know if this is a consistent part of his game plan but i saw what uh, what what that coach did early and often throughout the game he was shuttling guys in and out often and it was smart uh one thing texas a&m commerce is I think they are a deeper team. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a much more talented team. They're not. Um, but they were deeper. Hawaii was without, um, you know, a couple of bench players in Beyond Riley and, and Ryan Rapp. And, and, and to me, them being gone is not an excuse for how poorly Hawaii played offensively for the majority of that game and how badly Hawaii did on the glass um, it, it shouldn't be an excuse that both of those players not being there. Rap barely plays, and, uh, and, and Riley has been a, a key individual off the bench this year. Um, there's an impact there, but it also meant, and we'll, I see you guys, we'll go to the phones in a second at 808-296-1420, that Commerce was staying fresh. You know, you take Demonia out here and there. You're you're shuttling in guards in and out. They're deep at the guard position, and you're and you're seeing a team that is, um, you know, making sure that it is it is fresher on the floor, and also knowing that look, Hawaii down the stretch. If it is a close game, Hawaii is going to whittle down that bench. Um, they're going to shorten the rotations to really ultimately what uh, Ruli Def. And, uh, and and Jackson and Lotto. Um, so you whittle it down to eight where you're hoping to be at nine. And really, that's kind of what they were. But it felt like it was shortened a, a little bit more in the second half. And you're going to you're going to try to wear them out. And it was a if it was a strategy for this game, I'm not entirely sure. But it was it worked. They were fresher. They were um, they were a team that had more energy and uh, while that shouldn't have been that way, given that they literally 
were you know a, a day of rest between a game on Monday and and a game last night. They were and, and they showed that. Um, they they showed that especially in the hustle stats, rebounds, points in the paint, etc. And um, to which to to which I don't think a lot of credit is being given to their defense. Um, they were extending out their guards. They were keeping Hawaii their 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 guard defenders. They were keeping Hawaii from getting um, a, a lot of easy underneath looks, which is smart. You kind of hem off of screens. You force the ball handler back, um, and it makes it tougher to make that pass to if you find someone slipping off of a screen or cutting to the rim because the farther you are away from having to make that pass, the easier it is where someone, a help defender, can run in and take the ball out of the air, knock it free. And it happened several times. Um, the way that they spread Hawaii so far out in the perimeter to keep them from um, to keep them from being able to uh, you know make those passes. Because I mean, we watched them in Laie. You were seeing guys cutting to the basket. You were finding cuts off of off of screens, slipping screens, baseline uh, baseline drives, guys moving a weak side from the ball. You were seeing a lot of that. You saw some of it here, and some of it worked. Sometimes it didn't, just be- because spacing was uh, the, the the spacing was not good. And then a lot of shots weren't falling, and you could feel the frustration setting in. And then you add to it offensive rebounds going in Texas A&M Commerce's favor. Um, you know they were taking care of the basketball for a better stretch of time. You know, they were keeping Hawaii at arm's length. They were doing the things that were necessary to win, and, and Hawaii just could not. So, I mean, we'll talk about that end of the game. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely not going to ignore what happened in that final minute, and I, and I don't want to give the impression that we're just going to, you know, sneak by it like nothing. No, absolutely. We're going to talk about that end of the game and we're going to sprinkle that in through certain parts of the show, but I don't want to, at the same time, ignore the fact that Hawaii played, unfortunately, some of its worst basketball for a good, as Aran Ganat put it, uh, what, 39 minutes? You know, Hawaii was outplayed. He said um, Texas A&M Commerce outplayed them, um, you know, out-hustled them for 39 out of 40 minutes. Uh, that one minute was almost enough for uh, for Hawaii to come back, but it it clearly was not, and uh, and, and you ultimately see the end result in that. Uh, as we said, UNLV is uh, is coming up next, and they have uh, I, I believe University of San Diego uh, coming up before they play Hawaii. Uh, in fact, they have UNLV on Saturday. Although kind of interesting, uh, we are starting to see um, postponements in college basketball again. Um, th- what was kind of weird, San Diego playing UC San Diego, they were supposed to play uh, tonight. That got postponed because uh, women's volleyball at the Jenny Craig Pavilion. So they can't host men's basketball because it's being used for volleyball um, for the NCAA tournament. So they're going to play on uh, on Monday. UNLV uh, will we'll get them coming up on Saturday. By the way, yesterday, 
uh, Cal Poly and Pepperdine were supposed to play. Uh, that didn't happen because Pepperdine is in health and safety protocols. So that game, um, Pepperdine hopes to reschedule it. Cal Poly says it likely will not reschedule it. And uh, Pepperdine is Hawaii's opponent to open up the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic coming up on December 22nd. We are uh, 21 days out from that. So we're starting to see some some conflicts. And, and for the first time in a while, health and safety protocols coming back into play uh, in college basketball. But UNLV... Uh, legitimate legitimate good um that's a test and and i think back to the last time hawaii went to the thomas and mack center and played unlv now granted they're not going to the thomas and mack center this time around uh they're going to the dollar loan center um but i see what unlv has done um coach kruger has done um they are one of three undefeated teams in the Mountain West, they've got already a top 25 win over Dayton, uh, which is a good win. They've got a power five win against Minnesota. They still have another power five team coming up in Washington State, and they still have uh, USF, San Francisco. And Chris Gerlofson has done a fine job with the Dons so far in his, uh, his first season as head coach. He got elevated to that uh, head coaching position. And so far, San Francisco's 7-1. and one. They've got the best record in the West Coast Conference with uh, a win over Cal Poly and a win over Fresno State and a win over Wichita State. Um, and uh, they've got UNLV, as we mentioned. They've got Arizona State a little bit later on. Uh, Chris Gerlison's squad is uh, is looking really, really good. That's beside the point. I mean, the point really is, hey, I said this um, Tuesday, and I think this was reinforced yesterday. It's not really what I'd love to say is a, a good reinforcement, but we're stuck with it. Hawaii winning the Patty Mills North Shore Classic was important. Um, Hawaii had struggled to win games in the non-conference that had meaning. Uh, they hadn't won uh, a non-conference event since 2017. And so having that was um, a, a, a good feather to have in the back of your cap. But this is a game that Hawaii had to build off of that and play at a really high level. And when we say, I don't, I don't, you know, necessarily want to go back to the Ken Palm rating because, uh, uh, you know, Ken, we, Ken Palm rankings mean only so much to people, um, but I think they do kind of matter. Look, one of the reasons why we just don't know what Hawaii is and, you know, beating Texas State, we thought would help us get there. It didn't. Um, Hawaii is 143 in the Ken Palm at 5-2. and two. It's non-conference strength of schedule, um, adjusted metric is at 353. How many teams are there in Division I college basketball? 363. So Hawaii has one of the 11 easiest non-conference schedules, according to Ken Palm, in college basketball. The other metrics, um, adjusted offense, adjusted defense, Hawaii kind of offensively, middle of the pack, defensively um, on the upper end. But some of the other numbers... Um, you know, 
tempo, possessions per 40 minutes is a, is a really good one. You talk about pace. Hawaii is toward the bottom quadrant in the country. It, luck rating, 348. Straight, that strength of schedule rating is, um, you know, is, is tough. And I know it leads a lot of people to talk about strength of schedule and, and how you schedule. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later because it's not an exact science. And um, I don't know how you consider what is a good schedule, what you consider a good schedule. We'll, we'll talk about that more coming up. In a little while. Surf right here. We've got Sports Center in about 11 minutes. This is the Sports Animals. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. I'm just going to get this out of the way now. So I don't say this for the, for, for the next month. You're going to hear a lot of Christmas music. Christmas music is okay. I have to make sure that in the next month, because I am kind of like an occasional Christmas music listener, I have to make sure that I keep myself sane with Christmas music over the next month. And so that it's not to the point where I lose my love of Christmas music. Because I love Christmas music, played it as a uh, uh, as as a musician, but uh, I don't want to lose that love of Christmas music. So you will uh, you're gonna hear some. I'm trying to throw in some new stuff here and there uh, every once in a while. You'll 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 hear some Christmas music in the mix. Um, we'll talk about scheduling on the other side. Sports Center's on the way after this. It's the Sports Annals, ESPN Honolulu. So for a lot of people that are kind of confused about scheduling and they kind of wonder well what's a good non-conference schedule for uh, for University of Hawaii men's basketball what does that entail why don't this has been a, a a conversation for years and I and I've I have always believed that you need to strike a good balance when it comes to scheduling and teams like a Texas A&M Commerce are uh, at times, to me, part of that balance. Now, uh, I've been paying attention a lot more to the Ken Palm recently just because I know we're going to be talking about that throughout the year where Hawaii lands in the Ken Palm. UNLV is uh, 89 on the Ken Palm ranking. Uh, That is Hawaii's next opponent. Everybody who Hawaii has played so far, um, you know, in the first – with seven games of the year, uh, except for Yale. Yale is actually an 87 on the Ken Palm. They started out uh, seven and one on the year, has been uh, behind where Hawaii uh, has been when they played. You need games 
in which you feel like you have opportunities to win. I mean, it's not like Hawaii's the only team that has a few games on its schedule that some people might consider uh, not great. I mean, look at how many teams, uh, let's see, a uh, Syracuse, they had a bye game that they lost. Look at how many teams, Division One power conference teams, in fact, who have spent money to bring opponents there so they can beat them, and it turns out they don't beat them. Um, these buy game fails, and I don't know if this is a buy game or not. I do know this is a late added game for Hawaii to its schedule. But buy game fails are happening more and more often in uh, in college basketball because I think the field is uh, there. There are there's less of a gap between the haves and the have nots. But I, you know. How I see Hawaii scheduling, if you had to give me the perfect schedule, uh, it it would have that kind of mix that someone, some wouldn't like, some might appreciate. And I have in the back of my mind, I have Dan Butterly, the, the Big West commissioner who came in and part of what he wanted to see was um, he wanted to see more balanced scheduling. So where if you're scheduling opponents, you want to schedule opponents that you feel like you have an opportunity to beat. You don't want to go in and, and take some of these buyout, you know, buy-in games that opponents feel like you have no chance. You're going in and getting a payday. But, you know, he sees the bigger picture that, you know, schedule some tough games, but tough but winnable. That you feel like, hey, um, you know, your resume could look good if you have this game on your schedule, win or loss. Tough but winnable. So, like, a UNLV, um, and this is a neutral site. It's being put on by a third party. This is not UNLV hosting it. So, and, and, and note here, Hawaii, in its non-conference schedule, not have played a true road game in non-conference. Last time that happened was 2020 um, in the pandemic year, the 2020-2021 year. But um, UNLV is considered a neutral site game. The games played in La'ie were considered neutral site games. They were home games. Hawaii will not have actually had a true road game in non-conference. I mean, playing at Thomas Mack Center would be pretty cool, to be honest. It's a, it's a very nice venue. Um, but playing at the Dollar Loan Center also gets you ready for the Big West Tournament. Uh, three months out, which is which is also kind of cool. But UNLV is a game that I would consider that that kind of game that a, that a Dan Butterly would want to see a Big West team put on his schedule. That is, maybe it's a winnable game. It's a it's a Group of Five team. It's not a Power Five team, but it's a team that we're going to be talking about in March. That you'd be happy to have uh, right on your schedule, and if you can beat them, that looks good. If you stay close with them and uh, you're talking about a potential NCAA uh, tournament opportunity, if you can win the Big West, then that can look kind of nice too. But these are the games that you kind of would like to have. Yes, you have to have, based on your your geography, yes, you're going to have to have at least one of the Division II schools here in Hawaii on your, uh, you know, on your calendar. And this year it was HPU. Yeah. Uh, because some teams just don't want to come here. That means 
yeah, you you might rely on your non-conference. The Yale game is going to turn out to be a good get, um, even though Hawaii loses it. Hawaii had a chance to win that game, had offensive struggles. But that game is going to turn out to be a, a, a good get for its schedule. Balance um, compared to what else you had in the non-conference at home in the Outrigger Rainbow Classic and then St. Francis and, um, you know, so on. And then having the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic takes, um, you know, it, it takes a little pressure off because, you know, ESPN Events puts that together. But more often than not, you're going to get uh, an event that will help you with that that same kind of balance that you're looking to get. You're going to have a a Pepperdine team that is uh, that is always going to be competitive. Pepperdine's 159 in the uh, in the Ken Palm strength of schedule, well below uh, you know well above Hawaii. It's at 222. They're four and two right now, uh, but they they're in health and safety protocol, so they didn't play last night. You might have a power conference team in that mix, which would always be beneficial to your resume. And, uh, you know, you're not going to play someone in that event that is going to feel like one of those, you know, quote-unquote buy-in games. So you're going to, you know, improve your resume there. Realistically, you have kind of X amount of dates that I I think you have to schedule uh, that, that puts a lot of pressure on you on your schedule. Like UNLV, that's a good one. You know, Diamond Head Classic takes the pressure away. But UNLV, that's a good one. Uh, North Shore Classic time will tell on how good that will be. By the way, don't count out Hawaii playing in the Patty Mills North Shore Classic again next year. Um, I'm told that it is supposed to be back for a second year and that Hawaii could. It's not uh, assured that Hawaii will be in it. But Hawaii could play in that event next year. Uh, it just won't count as an exemption for them um, as compared to you know some of the other events like the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. So that's something to to pay attention to, that Hawaii could potentially be back uh, in Le'ie next year. Not 100%. Uh, but, I, but I think, as I was talking to someone yesterday, it's also about what resources are into that event, and that's what you should kind of pay attention to. That event had... Uh, Texas State, a 20-win team from a year ago. Sacramento State rebuilding Southern Utah. Um, you'd like to see that event be better, to see you know more resources put into that event, maybe a television deal put into that event, which could lead to maybe better teams wanting to go because of television exposure. Because let's face it, and I didn't get to mention this yesterday or, or earlier in the week, um, probably Monday, but what really good team is going to want to go to a to an event that has a no television coverage if you're not playing Hawaii and b a stream on a website for 25 bucks that looks like it's coming off of a home security camera. Like I watched that. I I watched before the Hawaii game on uh on Saturday. I watched them put that together on like a, a a high pole right behind the television folks, and another you know um, uh, another you know stand up with with something I, I don't know what it was, but I was like really, like you couldn't like hire even like TV people to work a camera, you couldn't like hire announcers, like you couldn't. Um, Put in more, but as is kind of mentioned, 
to me, it was a last-minute event kind of put together, and so really the the details and all that stuff weren't really there. But I would honestly, I would pay very close attention to that because that kind of stuff really determines how quality of teams you have in an event. You'd love to get a better group of five or even a lower power five to want to come down. But if you've got no TV and you got to pay 25 bucks for a stream on a random website called that I'd never heard of up until last weekend, then the quality of the teams that are going to come down won't be good. I mean, look at the examples of other events that have had low quality and, um, and, and how that's turned out. But those are all the things that you, you factor. In all honesty... And I think I said this before the year started. I didn't think Hawaii's schedule was, and, and, and granted, at the time, Texas A&M Commerce was not on the schedule because they were a late ad. But I really felt like Hawaii's schedule uh, going into this year was not a schedule that I thought was was incredibly weak. I actually thought that it had some decent balance with you know a UNLV and a and a Yale there. And other teams, I mean, you can't realistically get mad about not having a great challenge every game when teams like Duke and North Carolina, they schedule good teams, but they also schedule a bunch of powder puffs too because they need to pad wins as well. Duke can't go and play Kansas and Kentucky and UConn and all those teams consistently and expect that – you know, their resume and their record's going to look good. No, they've got to get, like, the Bryants and the Drakes and all of those and get them on the schedule, too, so they can get them wins on their resume to get you closer to being a 20-plus win team that a committee's going to look at if you don't win your conference. Like, think about that for a moment. So, yeah, I, I honestly didn't think the schedule was all that bad. And I still don't think it. I mean, the the weakest opponent, I think, before non-conference left is St. Francis, uh, who at the moment is uh, getting ready for Ohio State as their next non-conference opponent. They are 2-6. and six. Their wins have come against Hartford and Franciscan. And Ohio State's ranked 25th in the country. That could be incredibly interesting. Um, but... Uh, that's the balance you have to have. And realistically, and I'll go back to Dan Butterly for a moment when he talked about scheduling. Realistically, no matter how you schedule, Hawaii still is what it is. It is still in a conference that is a one-bid league. And until the Big West gets better respect and hasn't deserved it, I don't care how good you schedule. Unless you've got like three 20-win teams in your conference, you're always going to be a one-bid league regardless of whether you schedule up or schedule down. It is the Sports Animals. Let's take a look at our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. End of one in Foxborough. The Patriots have a 7-3 lead on the Buffalo Bills. That game is on our sister station, CBS 1500. You can watch it on uh, Prime Video. College basketball right now, uh, that Creighton-Texas game, is uh, pretty much as advertised right now. They're playing that at the new arena. Uh, they're at Texas. It is 62-57. The second-ranked Longhorns leading the seventh-ranked Blue Jays. 318 to play. That's on ESPN Television. 
Number four, Arizona losing at Utah. Six, uh, almost eight minutes gone by uh, there in the first half. It's 12-9 Utes. Number eight, UConn leading Oklahoma State 73-64. Final 43 seconds uh, left in that game. And if you're following anything going on in the Big West Conference today, after some of the games were played yesterday, Pacific and UC Davis is coming up at the top of the hour. UC San Diego was supposed to play at San Diego. That's not happening. That's been postponed to Monday because San Diego's uh, been given the opportunity to host uh, at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. And uh, in high school basketball, the Jim Allegre Tournament at Radford is underway. Radford wins the opening event or the opening game at the event, a 59-52 win over Honoka'a, Lelehua, and Mid-Pacific are playing right now. Later, Mililani against McKinley, Punahou and Lahaina Luna, and Moana Lua and St. Louis. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. We're going to check on uh, Bills and Patriots coming up. Top of the hour sports center is less than nine minutes away. Hey, Jelani Tavai trying to avoid mixing it up with somebody. Well, someone else is involved. There's some people getting separated. All I see on special teams is Jelani Tavai with someone on his back trying to walk him away. Uh, We're watching that game. It's on our sister station, CBS 1500. Bills, Pats. Uh, can Buffalo right the ship? They've struggled a little bit. And uh, I, maybe it's a coincidence as uh, Josh Allen's health has been uh, has been under question too. Our text line, 888-296-1420. You can call us there. Uh, you can uh, text, well, yeah, text, call 808-296-1420. You can't call the, well, you can't call the text line because it's the same number. I'm realizing the error in my ways there. Uh, you can also uh, send us your tweets at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. Uh, plenty of ways to connect with us here on your Thursday. The other big news today, and uh, we'll talk about it coming up next hour, is the college football playoff now officially announcing its expansion, not next season, but the following season. 2024 season for the 2025 National Championship. With the uh, quarterfinals in December, the semis in December, and then basically, well, the semis actually December into January, and then the uh, championship moves back a week. Um, they did admit that there's going to be uh, kind of a, a, a pushback, uh, not a pushback, but a potential conflict with the uh, NFL postseason. So there's that to think about. Uh, but we'll talk about that coming up in the next hour, how the Rose Bowl has kind of really set that up, and why, once again, uh, my concern is for uh, some of the the the, the have-not bowl games and uh, and what happens to them. That's uh, coming up here in a little bit here on ESPN Honolulu. Transfer portal news uh, came in a little while ago. Cameron Cooper on uh, his Twitter announced that he has entered the transfer portal. Cooper saying, and I quote, Unfortunate, my time here was so short. Priceless memories and relationships were made. But with that being said, I am now a graduate in the transfer portal with one year of eligibility left. Uh, Shaka emoji, close quote. So uh, Cam and Cooper no longer with the program. Um, This is why, 
we always have to be careful about how we view transfers just simply by, oh, where are, uh, where, where are they from? Because I can remember, and, and I'm sure Tanner can as well in the other room, um, when Cameron Cooper was announced as a transfer coming from Washington State, Power 5 school, um, you know, we know who formerly coached Washington State, it was, it was like, oh, hey, look, here's a guy who's got, you know, playing experience, who wants to come to Hawaii, and, and obviously everything was fresh with the whole Chevin Cordero transfer out that there was a, a, a lot of hype early around Cameron Cooper. And then, of course, we got closer to the season. A lot of us may not know really how we went from Cameron Cooper excitement to Cameron Cooper, well, Cameron Cooper, except really for the part that I, I, I think we have to factor in being, and I, and I see the phones lighting up, we'll get to you in a moment here at 808-296-1420, which really is um, just never seemed to be a fit. And that is why... I always kind of suggest, like, hey, talk about transfers. Someone transfers in, cool. That's great. But you can't grade a transfer coming in that quickly, you know? Um, and, and I think Cameron Cooper's a, a really unfortunately good example of that. Power conference school, cool. Playing experience, cool. Fits, maybe as an individual, as a person, um, but in grasping whatever the Hawaii offense was in 2022, uh, in a time where that offense really struggled, and um, earning a place on the field, that uh, didn't really happen. And so, I mean, frankly, um, him entering the transfer portal as someone with playing experience is not a surprise, given the way that the uh, the, the 2022 season went down uh but it is also a reminder uh for a lot of us to be careful about the hype because i remember at the time okay here's a transfer you're talking early i think we were talking about how all right timmy chang uh they're recruiting hard and they're getting some names this is a great great start albeit late out of the gate this one just didn't pan out and it's unfortunate that that it worked out that way sports centers on the way this is espn honolulu Let it be known I can't stand this song. Just let it be known. But it's everybody's favorite. Just except mine, apparently. I will say, in all honesty, uh, when I did turn on the TV on Sunday, that uh, not knowing, not sure what was on in primetime on Sunday, because 
prime time on Sunday is uh, weak. It's uh, really weak because no one wants to compete with Sunday night football. What did I find? An old Mariah Carey performance from, I think it was from Tokyo, Japan, uh, back in the day. Uh, I don't know how far back in the day, but she looked really young. Like that, I, I can't. I, it never said how long ago it was. So I'll be honest. I, I, I gave about 10 minutes to that. Um, other than that, that song, I if I hear that again within the next 24 hours, I'm walking. I, I'm leaving. I'm headed home, and I'm taking like a week vacation. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, and they appear they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. College football expansion, uh, the playoff, it's happening. Not next season, uh, but the following season. We did hear from Craig Thompson earlier today, the uh, current commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, who is leaving um, at the very end of the year, um, celebrating this. His um, successor is Gloria Navarez, who is in the West Coast Conference currently, will become the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference uh, at the beginning of the year, she spoke with Freddie and Fitzsimmons. I don't know if you're going to hear this on the hours that follow us. Uh, if not, you can uh, you can hear that on demand on the ESPN app. This is cut nine. Uh, Gloria Navarez on uh, college football playoff expansion and celebrating the announcement earlier today. Oh, I love it. I'm glad they were able to come to uh, a resolution and start that earlier rather than later. I think it opens up a whole world of possibilities, especially for schools in the Mountain West, uh, but also fans. I think it's going to be great, you know, playoffs, um, March Madness, that, you know, chase for the title, increasing the opportunity, increasing the ability to have some Cinderella stories, I think always helps. I'm going to push back already on one thing she said. This is is honestly our first quote of Gloria Navarez. And this is before she takes the job. I'm pushing back on one thing. Do not compare a 12-team college football playoff to March Madness. I don't want to hear that. Um, the only thing, the only time I will allow the college football playoff to make that comparison or anybody to make the comparison between the expanded college football playoff and March Madness is when we get to 16. When we allow every conference in, and then give out the at-larges. And then we go 1 through 16, um, you know, favor the top four uh, conferences, kind of like what they're going to do now. Cool. But none of this March Madness nonsense. Just don't don't give me that. Until you can include everybody, there is nothing March Madness about this. This is simply a revenue grab that has the potential of making college football's postseason better. There's a caveat to that, and, and and we'll explain it in a little while. The fan stuff, yeah. First round, you could play it uh, at, at a school site, or maybe it's a neutral site, depending on uh, the needs of the host, you know, the, the highest seeded team. That's cool. Um, you know, bring some meaningful games to campuses, uh, allow some good revenue to be made. Love it. But stop the March Madness stuff. Um, I'm not going to accept that. She also talked about, and this is cut five, uh, as we see this, these these changes and these wild swings in, in college sports, 
the future Mountain West Commissioner Gloria Navarre is telling Freddie and Fitzsimmons she hasn't seen change like this in college sports. It is change unlike we've ever seen in college athletics. And on the one hand, you know, we were, we're slow to change as yeah. an organization. The NCAA is membership-driven, yes, but it's also three divisions of um, tons of schools that don't have a lot uh, – I mean, have a lot in common, but also pride themselves in their differences. So it's very, very hard to change national policy. So on the one hand, some of these things that are happening, name, image, likeness, et cetera, they're overdue. Uh, I'm glad we are making forward progress. I just wish we were able to be a little bit more fleet in doing, making that change, embracing the, the new environment on our own. However, I'm optimistic. I do serve on the Transformation Committee mm-hmm. that in our new governance structure, we are giving ourselves a chance to, to get away a little bit from that old, we can't make a new rule in the NCAA mentality, that we, we can be a little bit more modern. And a lot of that, honestly, is I think as we start transitioning to new you know, university presidents and uh, transitioning into new university athletic directors with fresh minds and perspectives um, and welcoming change, that's, that's what it is. It's going to take more of that to continue to welcome that change um, and opportunity into college athletics. I think Gloria Navarez could be one of those people. Last one from her. We'll go to the phones in a second. Uh, the group of fives. And, and obviously, one group of five, you still have that that auto birth for the best group of five. I, I don't like it. Um, I'd like to get rid of it personally. But then again, that's where, again, my 16 idea comes into play. I just, I don't like handouts, um, especially in college sports. But, you know, we're... Tanner and I will always disagree on this. Uh, that's where I, I just don't want to settle on 12. That's my my bigger point. Um, but this is cut seven, uh, Gloria Navarez, on the relationship between the group of five conferences. In our favor is, you know, linking arms as a group of five. I think we all have good relationships. I'm on my short list of things to do in the next couple of weeks is reach out to my colleagues within the group of five. But, but also, you know, the help of football, as in its environment in the college space. And the group of five are a very strong part of that. So, well, yes, it's always a negotiation, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter where you sit in the 32 Division One conferences and have more leverage than others. But it's about, um, you know, aligning interests, finding compromise, and, and coming prepared to all of the meetings. Let's welcome John into the conversation at 808-296-1420. John, good afternoon. Hey, I'm real happy to hear about uh, this uh, upcoming change. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Uh, like one of these years, if uh, Hawaii has another year of season like uh, June Jones and Colt Brennan had and they go undefeated, uh, if they have that kind of season with this new system, is there a pathway for them to be in the uh, college football playoffs? So um, two things about it. One, um you have that at large for the top group of five team that still exists, I believe. And then the other one is um, you have the, 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 the conference uh, champions, the six best conference champions get an auto berth and uh, the top four get buys. Now that leads to the other question is, okay, let's say, in some hypothetical, Hawaii's undefeated. They're a conference champion out of the Mountain West. 
um, just because they may be undefeated doesn't mean they'd be considered one of the six best um, conference champions, and I doubt it would happen so that they, you know, as compared to power conferences, maybe, um, but they'd get seated. That would be the other, I think, way to get in. So, I mean, there's that. There's that opportunity. Um, but the four get by. So I guess there, there are two pathways, I think, to, to potentially get in. Yeah, I'm just kind of glad that they came up with this new system. Uh, you know, okay, in professional baseball, I'm a Cubs fan, but uh, we're not that good, but at least one of these days we can be there. Well, now I feel relieved that at least one of these days when Hawaii um, gets back there that we got a way to get in. Like, as it was before, there's still there was not going to be any pathway. Now there is, so uh, I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, I, I, I'll throw this idea, and, and John, thank you for calling in. Appreciate you listening. And, and I know, uh, uh, here's why I say, Tanner, that you could be an undefeated group of five conference champion and still not get maybe the kind of respect that maybe you deserve. Um, you know, I'll throw out this year, look at the American. Uh, we don't have an undefeated group of five team. Look at the American. The American is kind of like almost had a monopoly in the back part of the uh, college football playoff rankings. The winner of the American Conference Championship uh, game this weekend is going to get in as the uh, the at-large. But I look at, honestly, the team that's been better actually has been Boise State. Undefeated in conference. Boise State's been the most consistent team out of all of those in the American. They can't even sniff the top 25. But the Mountain West has been looked at, frankly, is kind of weak here this year that I could make the argument I would, I would take Boise State if they run the table in conference and win the conference championship. I would take Boise State over... Um, an, uh, an American athletic conference team just because some of those AAC teams um, have kind of beaten each other up. None of them are are, are uh, undefeated in general. And then you take it to the committee. And you take it to the committee, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, they'll take the American every time. That doesn't totally work out. So, you know, when when John makes his case, and granted he's talking about uh, an, an undefeated season, but it's hard to do, and that's why I kind of turn it around in giving that um, perspective scenario. You could screw that up, that uh, that sixth conference champion, and uh, and and give it to a a conference champ that might not be as good as another group of five conference champ. Um, that uh, you know, uh, you know, may have played better at least in conference. And I'll throw this out as well. I realize that of your power conferences, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, SEC, ACC, um, uh, Big Ten. If you're seeding the top six conferences and the top four get a bye, what I'd like to see clarified, I hope it's not one through six for the conference champions. Because if it is, now I've got an issue with seeding. 
if let's say let, let me take this year for example if if we had this the american would be your your number 6 conference why would i see the american conference champ 6th if i had to seed it the american conference champion would be seeded number 12 i'd like to see that clarified from um from the committee if i missed it i missed it but i don't recall seeing any clarification on that and maybe they have a year to work that out they just hey look we got to 12 We'll get through the details on dates and all that stuff later, but we got to 12. We did our job. We did what we needed to do. But you can't seed the top six conferences when realistically there may be better teams than some of those conference champions that deserve to be seeded above. And I'll use this year as a, as a, a second example. If you're giving your bye to the top four conference champions – um, let's say your conference champions this year are, and I'm going to play with chaos because, hey, love playing with, don't, don't do it. I don't recommend you do it, but just like playing with, with matches and sticks like on Survivor. Actually, they don't use matches. They use flint and sometimes they rub rocks against one another. Can you tell how, how long it's been since I've watched Survivor? Anyway, let's play with chaos. Let's say LSU beats Georgia. Let's say Michigan loses this weekend to Purdue. If you're going to seed your conference champions one through four with buys, and then you're five and six after, you can't tell me that LSU is going to deserve uh, one of those four, let's say, uh, you know, the American deserves one of those four I mean, you, you, you can't say that. So how are you going to justify when I would say Georgia, even if they lose, we should still be a top four team and deserve a bye. But instead, we'll have to go through some of the early rounds. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, you know? That's what I think needs to be worked out. Like, you want to give... To me, buys should not go to the top four conference champions. Because just because you're a conference champion doesn't mean your conference was great. Buy should go to the top four teams, period. That's why we play the season out. That's why your body work. Look, Ohio State will lose one game. In this particular format, they'll lose one game. And if Michigan were to falter in the Big Ten championship game... Ohio State would not get a bye, but there's the potential that Purdue could or be in the position to be in the top six. And Ohio State's better, and Michigan's better, and they may get in but be put in a much different situation. It's it's not a uh, it's it's not an easy system, and it's not about. And, but I think we I, – I realize the division thing, yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of it. But still, um, I don't know that everybody's going to get rid of divisions. And still, some conferences, even if you – no. But still, some conferences, if they get rid of divisions, it's they still might be weak conferences. You might still have a three-loss team playing in a conference championship game, playing an undefeated team, and beat that undefeated team and still screw it up. So just because you get rid of divisions – doesn't mean it erases every problem. You could still say Michigan and Purdue 
could find themselves as the top two teams and Purdue could be a two-loss team and Michigan could be undefeated and you find yourself with Purdue winning and now the Big Ten's in an interesting spot and, you know, who gets, how, how does that play out? I couldn't convince myself to give the Big Ten a, a buy in the first round, but you very well might depending on how good the other conferences are. I see the effort. I see the interest. I see the impact in wanting to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean it makes a whole bunch of sense because I still believe you need the four best teams. And here's the other part to consider. Notre Dame will never be in the top four as long as Notre Dame is not at a conference. Notre Dame could go undefeated, play USC, play Purdue, play a good schedule, go undefeated, and will never get a bye. That's not a compromise that should happen. I mean, unless they get into a conference, Notre Dame's going to love its money, but that that shouldn't necessarily hurt them from an opportunity of being one of the top four teams if they deserve to be that. We'll check on traffic right now. This is the Sports Animals. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Being sung by I love Christmas music. I just don't want to get it ruined. <laughs> I, I, I need my balance of Christmas music and regular music. This is, this is, this is killing me over the next month. Sports Animals here, ESPN, Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM, and fourteen twenty AM. Uh, let's get surfing here. We'll come back. We'll get to your texts on the college football playoff. Uh, and I'll continue kind of where I left off on, uh, on on how it shakes out. That's next. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go, take a look at five and ten. Listening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. <sighs> it's beginning to look a lot. I'm gonna get used to that. The, the, the exhale. Like uh like I'm listening to this, drinking a glass of eggnog, and just going. <sighs> Time to reset. Our Zephyr Insurance text lines at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Send us your tweets at Sports Animals. We're at Josh on the radio. We've been talking a little bit about the college football playoff. Uh, some of your texts that have come in, I would say I'd see them right on my screen. But someone opened up their phone, looked at them, and just erased them off my screen. Thank you, people. Uh, texter from the 221. Do the playoff extend deep into January or early February? Um, they're going to start basically the week after the um, the Army-Navy game, and they'll expand out by a week. So right now, the first full week of January is when you have the, uh, on that Monday, is when you have the national championship. It would basically become the middle of January on that Monday is when the uh, the championship is played. And Jerry texts in, let's be real. The college football playoff expansion still benefits the Power Five on a far greater scale. 
There may be a few group of five teams included, but their first round game will likely be at the site of the Power 5 team. In the end, this is a construct made to generate more revenue, which will be disproportionately provided to the Power 5 schools. Jerry is not wrong. Um, but we kind of always knew that this would be the case of 12 teams who would get more, more berths, the Power 5s. Um, does it improve access? Sure, it improves access. Uh, if you're a group of five team, you're happy with access because it gives you a chance. And it actually gives you a chance to compete for the for a title, not necessarily for like playing in the uh, the Cotton Bowl. So it, it's it's a step. Is it the best step for all parties involved? No, but it's better than four. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I can't concede. Uh, I can concede that part. Bill, thank you for calling in here on this Thursday afternoon. How are you? I, I just turned on the radio, so I'm, I'm, you know, I have a question for you. Yeah. So the top, the top four teams right now is these four that's on there, right? Um. Now, what if there wasn't any conference championships? This would be it right here. The top four teams. Yeah, pretty much. They or, the, or, or they'd probably, okay, or you'd okay. probably have one more weekend of games and you extend it out. Um, but yeah, pretty much you're right. This would be the four. Okay. Okay. Now, how is it fair for those two, the third and fourth place team, now having to play in a conference championship and possibly play themselves out while these other teams sit and wait without playing another game? Well, okay. Wait. Let's let's go back. George is playing in a conference championship. Right. Uh, Michigan's playing in a conference championship. All four, right. all four of these teams are playing in a conference championship game. I, I'm, I'm trying to understand where I you're understand. going with it. I'm understand. I understand that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, these last the three and four team possibly can play themselves out of the, the four team playoff by playing a conference championship while Ohio State. And, and Alabama oh. probably sits by gotcha. and might get in when these guys are forced to play a conference championship. Gotcha. Okay, so I think what you, you meant, you said one and two. I think what you meant was three and four. Then when you said three and four, you meant right. five and six. Okay, I, that, that right. makes more sense. Um, it, it, that just comes back to, and I, I said before, many times it's not about you know the amount of losses you have. It's when you lose. You have a lot. You have many more chances to be forgiven for uh, for, for your on-field sins when they happen early, as compared to like in Ohio State's case, late. You know, and, and and Ohio State got severely punished for for their loss to Michigan, dropping three spots. That's a that's a big punishment for them. But what was key was um, that was their first loss. I think what we also haven't done is we haven't actually. I think done a good enough job of looking farther down the ranking to see why we're here. Because you mentioned Alabama, a two-loss team. Ohio State, a one-loss team. You have three undefeated college football teams remaining in Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. But look down the line. You've got a three-loss team as the 10th best team in the country, uh, uh, according to the to the committee in Kansas State. There are so many more two, three, four-loss teams that I can recall here in the top 25 that I'm used to. Um, and whether that is parity or that is um, some of these teams just aren't as good, um, that's kind of where you fall into the system. But 
again, I think that's why you play the games, and uh, I don't necessarily feel bad for three and four. Um, you know, you've, you've got to win your conference championship to get in, and especially for USC being on the brink with one loss, um, you know, that's even even more pressure. I, I, I totally understand it. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm thinking these guys are forced to play an extra game while these guys just sit and not play an extra game and just say, hey, we'll back our way in if these guys lose over. I think it's kind of unfair in that, in that, in, in that part. I mean, what if USC decides to go, oh, you know what, Utah, you can just have the, the, the so-called conference championship without even playing. What will happen? You know what I think might happen, though, is I think if that happened, I think the committee would bounce USC from forfeit. the top four. It'd be, I mean, exactly. it'd be a forfeit, I mean, but I mean, USC would USC would still suffer from that because I don't think a committee would, would let them into the top four or keep yeah, them in the top four. That's just something to ponder because I was thinking if it ended now, right now, without a conference championship, without anybody playing, these would be the four teams. Yeah. No, I, I no if and so but so but it. Right. I, I see what you're saying, uh, and, and I appreciate the call, right. Bill. Thank you for listening in. I, I see what he's getting at. Um, you know, it, it is part of, well, um, it, it is part of the, the process of losing in which Ohio State and Alabama have been a part of. Then we get to resumes. Then we get to strength of schedule. Then we go to the eye test and all those things come into play. And, and honestly, um, I would hate to be in a situation where you're kind of thinking like, oh, okay, well, well, being in a conference championship game hurts you. No, you should always, one of your goals should always be to win a conference championship. And you know what? You should always want to strive to prove that you are the best. Boy, this is sounding really cliche, and I'm not trying to be. I'm really not. Um, this is not like skipping out on the Music City Bowl because uh, you want to take more time to prepare for the NFL draft. And I think that's probably why in the next iteration they want to um, they want to reward conference champions, probably. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming in that case, but you know what, if you're good enough, if you're TCU and you beat Kansas state, if you're good enough, what's the issue? If you're USC and you're playing Utah, a three loss team better win. George Klivakov is rooting for you. USC. It's on you. And if that means, see, I don't, my thing about about the six, I don't really believe that the committee is evaluating Alabama. You have to have someone at six. I really do think that it's Ohio State in the waiting and nobody else. Alabama is like the all bleep broke loose. And you have no choice. My example being TCU. If TCU plays Kansas State, and we'll have that game Saturday morning here on ESPN Honolulu. If TCU plays Kansas State and loses by 20, TCU does not belong in the top four even with one loss. Because you can't play in a championship game and lose by 20. Now, if they lose by anything less than 20, I consider keeping TCU in the top four. Because I do want to reward their body of work over the course of the year, and that playing in a conference championship is hard. I get that. But 20 or more, out. And that's where I would view, that's that's the nuclear part. The nuclear part says that. 
Because to me, outside of that, TCU's a lock. The question is USC. And then you take into account USC or Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's lone loss, of course, being Michigan. And um, if USC can't beat can't beat Utah, then it's simple. Ohio State you know, moves into the top four. Everybody else, depending on what they do, kind of stays the same. I, I really do not believe Alabama will be rewarded for sitting at home. But that really is up to TCU. Don't get embarrassed in the conference championship game, and we got no problems. We won't be sitting here coming up with the oh-what-ifs and the college football playoff biases toward Alabama that everybody seems to want to have about uh, why Alabama's sitting at six. And oh, by the way, because I, I, I put this on my Twitter last weekend at Josh on the radio, what I would do with the college football playoff rankings, and I had Alabama at six over Tennessee at seven, and I did see someone on Twitter. I didn't respond to them saying, what, uh, you forgot about Tennessee? What you got against the Volunteers? Tennessee beat Alabama. Uh, yeah. Tennessee's star quarterback is hurt. And he's not playing. You try telling me right now that Tennessee without Hendon Hooker would beat Alabama. I don't think you can guarantee that. This is why I have said, even with our Mountain West power rankings, stop falling in love with head-to-head. Head-to-head means a little bit. It doesn't mean everything. Uh, because it doesn't tell you the entire story about a team's journey and a team's season. You have to factor in injuries. Um, you you have to factor in how you lost, how you won, who you played. So head-to-head doesn't tell you everything. That's why someone also on Twitter, when I put out the Ken Palm for Hawaii on Sunday, for Hawaii men's basketball, and they're like, how is Fresno State? It was like one in four or one in five, whatever. How are they one behind Hawaii? And I said, well, simple. Fresno State's um, strength of schedule is like almost the exact opposite of Hawaii's. Look at some of their their metrics. And they have their losses. All of them have been by single digits. So that's why they can be one in something and still be one behind Hawaii, whose record is what it was, but its strength of schedule is in like the bottom 15 in the nation, according to Ken Palm. It's not just about head-to-head, and it's not just about what your win-loss record is. It is the eye test. It is the story. And you have to be able to read it, and you have to be able to watch it to be able to um, accurately slot a lot of these teams, 1 through 25. One more text here from the 221. Is it parody or top-heavy? If top-heavy dies, it waters down competition. Uh... I don't know that it's parody. I don't, I, it's not, I mean, how top heavy are you? If legitimately, I would say just looking down the list of national championship caliber teams in college football, I probably would give you four or I, I don't even know that I'd consider TCU a national championship team. And I'm not trying to disrespect TCU because I see their resume and I see how they've gotten here, but I've never really watched TCU and thought, yeah, that team can win it all. But I've thought that about Georgia. I've had that thought about Ohio State. I've come around on Michigan after at one point saying at Big City Diner about a weekend ago that they were a fraud. Um, 
ate my words to a Michigan fan who was there watching the game until he switched all the TVs to the Hawaii game and he had to go watch something else. Uh, USC, I don't know that I'm there. So, you know, I believe that there are three national championship teams that are in this picture. And maybe two of them will play for a national championship. Because I don't know that I can go there with TCU, and I don't know that I can go there with USC, although I'm trying to. I'm trying to believe in USC, but I believe I could be there with Ohio State. And I won't go there with Alabama. Let's take a look at our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Thursday night football is at halftime. Buffalo 17, New England 7, Stephon Diggs has his 10th receiving touchdown of the season. Uh, that ties a career high for him. Three straight games with a touchdown for Stephon Diggs. Uh, if you have him on your fantasy team, good luck to you. Uh, that's on CBS 1500 if you're interested in checking it out. College basketball, top 25 teams. Number four, Arizona is down to Utah, 52-43, 13-52 to play. Uh, number eight, UConn over Oklahoma State, 74-64. Second-ranked Texas over seventh-ranked Creighton, 72-67. And uh, late first half, number nine, Kansas up on Seton Hall, 34-21. to And in the NBA, in overtime, Pistons 131. The Fighting Lucas 125. It's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. Traffic in seconds. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, I had a feeling a text like this would come in to our text line at 808-296-1420, especially after last night uh, with what happened with uh, Hawaii basketball, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, Hawaii losing to Texas A&M Commerce uh, last night in a nail-biter. And when I say nail-biter, I don't mean like the end of the game. I mean like all throughout the game as shots are missing, Offensive rebounds are going the wrong way. Like, you're biting your nails probably in frustration. I couldn't do that because, you know, I had to talk for two hours. But if I wasn't doing a game, my nails would be gone uh, at the end of that game. So that's when I say nail biter, I'm not talking about the last minute. I'm talking about the frustration of 40 minutes of really tough basketball last night. But like I said, um, Figured I'd see a text like this come in, and while we're here, Kevin from Kalihi. Josh, all I want for Christmas is a new UH men's basketball coach. This text is now like the equivalent of having to hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. And I'm not a fan. Aside from year one with Gibbs players, Gannott's teams have done nothing on the court. Thoughts? I reserve uh, comments about wanting a new men's basketball coach until after a season when um, you have the, the opportunity to reflect a full year of work. I still feel like a lot of people are really kind of like stepping on last year and not putting last year into the full perspective as um, – as difficult as this, because I think, you know, more people want to be pessimistic than not. 
what Hawaii did last year probably should not have happened. No Avea, no Munoz, back into the year, no Coleman. Still got to the conference semifinals. Still had a chance to get past that without three important pieces. Um, I don't know why, for whatever reason, uh, we're a results-driven business, absolutely. But I don't know why, for whatever reason, we just seem to like discount that as not doing anything. Winning, uh, and, and, I, and I realize this shouldn't be the standard. And I, I don't want anybody to get the impression that I am setting a low bar. Uh, but I am also setting a realistic bar on what you have in front of you. And I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a moment at 808-296-1420. The realistic bar is when injuries like that happen, the bar comes lower. And you have to achieve a kind of a high mark. I mean, the bar that should be set is winning a conference championship. We haven't gotten there. I don't think that means you've done nothing. It still means you haven't achieved the goal you'd like to set every year. You've fallen short, sometimes frustratingly short. That's not wrong. Saying you've done nothing is a little different. But I think last night was an eye-opener that I think you kind of have to, that you're going to pay attention to now for the next month. It was a clear eye opener. We'll talk about that in a moment. Alex, thank you for calling in. I've got about uh, 60 seconds for you. How are you? Okay. Well, it's about the call the coach show. I was listening to her. And, you know, um, I like Timmy Chang. You know, I've got, uh, you know, I hope the best for him. Uh, when I listened to the show, uh, he sounded a little rattled, though. Uh, and I, when that's when I kind of just felt really, really bad for him because, it sounded like all the weight on the world has was on his shoulder, uh, you know, given what's happening there uh, during the season. And he kind of just rambled on and on and on. Um, so, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it'll get better. And uh, wishing the best for Timmy Chuck. For sure. Um, thank you for calling, Alex. It, uh, you know, I wasn't there last night. Obviously, it was at basketball. Um, that is what you sign up for. And I, I think let's also understand that your work doesn't ease when the season ends. It actually gets harder, uh, especially now at the transfer portal. It is the recruitment. It is uh, you're, you're recruiting in. You're, you're trying to keep people from leaving. Uh, you've got coaching stuff you've got to deal with, and I don't know how that's going to come into play. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean – the work just gets tougher at that point, but you sign up for that. You expect that. You know that's coming, and you've got to manage all of that. Being a dad, being a family guy as he is, um, th this is th the, the month of December after a tough season is not easy to traverse, and he's dealing with that in, in this role for the first time. Sports Center on the way. It's ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Animals. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM. 
1420 AM. Great to have you in. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Uh, we'll update Thursday night football one more time coming up at the bottom of the hour with uh, Sports Center. We're watching that. We're also getting reaction to uh, last night's men's basketball game between uh, Hawaii and Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, buy stock in Commerce because uh, they've got that four-year transition to uh, Division One, which I still believe is uh, pointless. If they're making the transition to Division One. There is no need to punish him for four years to not be a full-fledged postseason eligible member in in college basketball. It's like what's happening to UC San Diego, which I think they're in, what, year three now of their transition to men's basketball? It's pointless to me. Um, they're there for a reason. They have made the effort to get there for a reason. Um what if I mean they're not they're not going to be eligible for the postseason? I don't know if the Southland is going to allow them to uh, to play in the conference tournament, but if they're that good, it means that there's an investment already. Why punish teams for for making that transition from D two to D one? If you're going to make it a year, make it one year because I do think that there are um, you'd like to recruit hot out of the gate in year one, but you can't do it because what do you have to play for? Nothing for four years. Ray's calling in at 808-296-1420. Ray, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Josh. What's happening? Not much, man. Listen, I just wanted to just put my two cents about last night's game. My takeaway was that they were just flat. They, they looked tired. And... I think part of the reason in that game and the Yale game, you know, one thing I, I don't agree with is these tournaments, like three games in four days. Listen, that's that's tough. That's tough. And these guys, besides Coleman, don't have a knockdown yet scorer. We had it with Munoz, but we only saw it for a glimmer of time. And last night they were down a man off of the bench as well. But, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen UH shoot that many air balls yeah. on jump shots or even free throws. I mean, I was sitting there like you. You saying, man, I was chewing my nails. I was sitting there going, oh, man, this is a Yale game. 17 points and a half. I've seen high school games get more than 17 points and a half. So, basically, I, I just think they were tired after the, the, uh, the games out in Laie, out on the North Shore. They, they were just flat, and these these guys came in with a chip on their shoulder. There's, they got something to prove. You had made a stat that said that they shoot about thirty threes a game. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, they, they and they make averaging? and they make nine, and they didn't even hit that average and still won. That's my point. That's my point exactly. They went from saying, "Okay, we're not going to shoot the three. That's what they're expecting," and they changed their game plan. There was times when they there was three guys getting an offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So these guys they were just flat. Their legs were shot. They couldn't shoot free throws. Uh, Samuto he couldn't get off the ground. I was like, you know, and they almost pulled a damn game off. That's the funny part. <laughs> you know what I mean? They almost pulled it out at the end, and had that ball not hit the ref, 
That's a win, ugly as it might have been and lucky as it might have been. So, you know, the tournaments, everybody's jumping the gun on how bad the coach is and all this other stuff. That's a bunch of malarkey. You know, these guys will be good when it comes time to conference. I get it. And I don't know, I can't pronounce that kid's name. That new kid, number 14, I think it is. You're talking about uh, Harry Ruliadev. You know, that guy, can, that kid can play. Yeah. The problem is he gets into foul trouble too quick. And so he can't get into the flow of the game. He's a knockdown shooter from the outside. I want to see when conference comes around and he gets into the flow of the game. They're going to be fine. But I don't know if you agree with that, but I think they were just, their legs were shot. And I'll take your comments off the air. Ray, good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for calling in. Um, I would entertain that. But here's the problem that I have with with their legs being shot, if if that's what we're going to go with. Um, Texas A&M Commerce played Monday night. Flew over 3,000 miles on Tuesday to get here because, hey, they needed games. Um, this is a game that they uh, they bought in, uh, that Hawaii added late in the schedule. Hawaii played Saturday. They got the opportunity to enjoy Turtle Bay. You know, they didn't, they didn't fly off island. They had a couple of extra days of rest. Um, I, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I can entertain their legs being flat or not being ready to go conditioning wise because Texas A&M Commerce had it worse. The thing about the tournaments and, and, um, the tournaments are a necessity. The, the reason why is you, you've got X amount of games you can play in. And when you're thinking about the bigger picture, it is easier to get in a chunk of games when you're playing three in three days or, or three in four days. It's much easier to do that than it is to, um, you know, you're, you're going to play a couple of games at home. Then you're going to fly for a one-off to go play somebody and then you're going to fly back home and play one, and then you're going to fly for another one-off. Heck, Texas A&M Commerce, um, that game last night, if I recall correctly, actually, it's a good thing I kept my notes on my computer. Um, I have like 40 tabs open, and five of them are Commerce tabs. Good thing I kept it open. Um, That's the start of seven consecutive games away from home. And and, And only two of them are part of an event that is, and and those are back-to-back. Nobody can lay an excuse about being flat or not being ready to go when you haven't even had to get on a plane to play this year. Texas A&M Commerce has played at Georgia State. They got their first-ever Division I win winning at Air Force. They've played at Northern Colorado. That was their fifth road game in the first month of the season. You know how many road games Hawaii has played in the first month of the season? Zero. You want to know how many true road games Hawaii will play by the time the non-conference is over? Zero. UNLV is a neutral site. Uh, it's a neutral game because they're not playing at Thomas and Mac. It's a third a third party's putting that game on. It's being played at the Dollar Loan Center at Henderson. The La'ia games, they're considered neutral site games. They're not home games. 
Um, and if you are not in a, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Ray's point a little bit differently here. Um, if you're not ready to go for a game like that, when you've had a couple more days of rest and we're in December now, we're, we're, you know, that, that's the last game of the month. You know, if, if we're not talking about being well conditioned and, 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 and all that going into that game, when you've had what, six games under your belt already, um, that's a bigger concern, you know. That's that's not a fun concern to hang on to. Look, the other the other thing I think you have to realize. I, I let's let's delve into a couple things that a couple of other things that Ray said. Um, the first one, I I'm I'm thinking about Samuta Avea's game last night, and what I feel like I saw from him was someone trying to do a little bit more offensively when there were a lot of guys who just couldn't get it done offensively. Kind of similar to what Jovan McClanahan did in the game earlier this year. I don't, I don't think I don't remember if it was the Yale game or if it was one before where he saw his team struggling off on offense and said, you know what, um, I'm going to take it upon myself to be a better offensive player and to, and to get opportunities for myself when others aren't hitting. And I saw Samuta Avea try to be that. What's tough about that is, in a in a perfect world on this team, I don't think Samuta Avea needs to score twelve points a game. Um, and I, I I honestly, unless he's wide open, I don't really want him being the guy that is settling for outside shots. I want Samuta to be the player that can get to the rim. Um. You know, he found some opportunities where he was pivoting toward the baseline. Guys had kind of gone away, and all of a sudden he found himself open. You know, but, but making something happen at the rim because he's strong. He's tough. I want to see my strong and tough guys doing that and 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 being a focal point there. But I'll give Commerce credit. They took a lot of that away, except for a couple of times where their defenders fell asleep. But they took a lot of that away, and you have to give credit for that. Um. But in a perfect world, if Noel Coleman is is playing well consistently over the course of the game, if De Silva is involved, if if Hepa is involved inside and out, you don't need Samuta Vea scoring, trying to score double digit points. You just need Samuta Avea to crash the boards, play good defense, get to the free throw line where he's still perfect. You just need him to do some of those things that that really help your team. Um, I think on the other thing I would bring up is, and this is not a reason why Hawaii didn't win the game, um, but we're seeing Hawaii's depth, I think, get tested without Beyond Riley, who has been one of the more improved players on this team from last year to this. Um, you know, they were really eight deep and not much more than that. And uh, you know, Justice Jackson was 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 solid. Didn't make a lot of mistakes. Harry Ruleydef, um, you know, continues to impress. I, I'd like to see him round his game a little bit more. He's a freshman. We have to remind ourselves of that. Um, but then after that, you don't have a lot. You know, um, we saw Zoar Ned in the first half, really in, in the spot where Beyond Riley would have been. Um, and and he still hasn't scored a point this year, and uh, I, I think he missed Riley for for the minutes he would have given you. 
Not to say that would have made a difference in whether Hawaii would have won the game, but I think you're seeing that kind of um, poke itself back out again, the depth of this team and how much depth Hawaii actually has. So, you know, um, frustrating, yes, um, to shoot as poorly as Hawaii did when in Laie, Hawaii shot um, – did I keep my uh, Did I keep my board up? I'm sure I did. I didn't delete my board. I never uh, delete my uh, my my prep board from uh, from the game. I just update it. When Hawaii was at the Cannon Activity Center for three games, um, they shot 56.1 percent from the field. That's about a 20 percentage point difference than what they shot last night. They were 41.2 percent from beyond the three point line in the three games that they played at the Cannon Activity Center much better than what they shot last night from outside the three-point line. Um, that didn't translate back to playing in their, their home floor at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. They won't be on their home floor for their next game when they play at UNLV. So they've got to find a way to get it back together. But in games where both teams struggle, what wins? Hawaii played fairly good defense, but what wins? This is why I don't I don't put it to legs. I don't put it to being tired. I don't put it to any of that. I don't I don't really want to make excuses. I don't I don't want to make the referee thing a bigger thing than what it was because I think it takes away from the other 39 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, what wins or loses games when the shots aren't falling? Are you grabbing offensive rebounds and getting second chances? Are you taking care of the basketball? Are you getting the ball inside the paint? Are you doing the little things that can help you win games when other aspects of your game aren't working? And the honest answer was, last night, the team that was better in the hustle stats, the team that was better doing the little things was Texas A&M Commerce. Texter from the 779. I agree with the caller. C-O-L-L-A-R. Darn autocorrect. The basketball team should only have to play once a week. No. No. In Big West play, you play on Thursdays and Saturdays or Saturdays and Mondays. Why are we making excuses for playing more than one? Stop. What are we doing? In the NCAA tournament, if you're winning, you're playing twice in a weekend. If you have to go through the first four, you might have to play three times in the span of about six days. Stop these excuses. Having to play no more than once a week, really? You want these guys playing. You want these guys active in practice. You want these guys active on the floor. You want their mind to continue to think once a week. What is this? One more text. Jerry says, Thank you, Josh, for pointing out that Hawaii was not the team who traveled 3,500 miles to play the game. UH needs to get to Silva more involved. Three shot attempts last night is unacceptable. I, I, I'm, I'm going to again, I'm going to again credit Texas A&M Commerce. Texas A&M Commerce's defense and the way they kind of took Hawaii's bigs out by pushing out Hawaii's guards with the basketball, 
to put them in tougher passing positions to find players made it harder for De Silva especially to be involved. Um, it's a it's a great example of what team defense after scouting can do to kind of neutralize an opponent. And and Texas A&M Commerce did that last night. We'll check on traffic here. Uh, this is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, we'll get back to your text messages at uh, 808-296-1420 as uh, we get you through the rest of your Thursday. I, I Honestly, I'm trying to think of something clever off of these Christmas songs, and the only clever thing I've done off of some of these Christmas songs is just sit there and listen to the soft ones and then just go... <sighs> That I couldn't. I I really had nothing for anybody. <laughs> I had nothing there. I I can I can readily admit that. Uh, another look at traffic here. Uh, saw a text earlier on UH baseball. We'll address that and finish up on basketball in a moment. Traffic here. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. One final thought uh, coming up in a little bit. You're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. Uh, great to have you into the program today. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. They'll see you uh, tomorrow morning. Really quick, back to the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. Got some baseball in here on the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, Texture from the 721. Josh, still no word from Coach Rich Hill about the new turf and batting cages for Les Murakami Stadium. I thought I heard from Scott Robbs during a radio broadcast. It was a done deal. Um, the plans were there. I, I haven't heard. I don't know if Coach Rich Hill's listening. Um, I, I think he's got about like 35 better things to do than listening uh, to the guy who talks to him for 53 games during the season for the coach's show that ends in Aloha and Chihu. Um, I think he's got 35 better things to do than to listen to this schmuck doing the show. Um, but if you are listening, Coach, I know the plans were there. And, and that's, um, I, I think they, I, I think it needed to go another couple of steps or so. The plans that I remember, you know, we, we talked about, um, A, was the turf, because the turf does need replacing, um, there was there was word about that I, I think late this year and then I, I don't know that anything came of it but the uh, the the turf was talked about and then um, the other side was the the batting cage which is going to turn into a performance center that obviously is going to take a little bit of time um, and I think they're still working out the fundraising aspect of it. But remember what that turned into last year. To to allow it to be used, you had to take off the roof so you didn't have to worry about the, uh, the permitting process. And uh, then you could use it because with the roof on um, and how old it was, it was, like, condemned. 
<laughs> you, you couldn't use it unless it was an open-air batting cage, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I haven't heard. Um, I'll You know what I'll do tomorrow if I have some time because we are just, like, swamped with stuff tomorrow. I'll see if I can reach out to Coach Hill, uh, see if I can get an update on, uh, on, on where things stand with that. I do believe that there is probably some securing of funding. I don't remember if some of it involved going to the legislature, but I believe securing of funding did have a, a little bit to do with whether um, uh, the turf would happen by this coming year. And But I was, I, I, I was given the belief that it was a good likelihood it would. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with all that. You can get in touch with us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line, uh, or our text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Send us your tweets at Sports Animals at Josh on the radio. <laughs> Texter from the 779. Josh is not a schmuck. Even though he can't tell when people are messing with him. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think I'm not that bad. Who's messing with me? Wait, that just made the point for the texter if I'm asking the question. <laughs> uh, I can, I can self-deprecate. I, I can say, if I'm a schmuck, I can say it. Um, I guess with some sense of confidence. <laughs> One more. Here's from the 778. Anybody making excuses for last night's UH basketball game loss is full of uh, bull. What that tells you is that the UH basketball team lacks a leader among its team. Someone who has the ability to lead by example. Someone who the team respects. They should find another captain amongst themselves. That's interesting. Um, I've never really... Thought that in fact we've we've talked a little bit about captaincy, I think, on on this show or maybe in a in a pregame show. We've talked a little bit about that. I, I actually do believe that Hawaii has captains that people listen to. I actually believe one of the more vocal people um is is Jovan McClanahan, who's not a captain. But you know, I've I've been in some practices and I'm I'm in shoot around before every game. And, you know, if you're looking for someone vocal, for someone who is calling out guys, whether they're doing something right or they're doing something wrong, Joe Vaughn's the guy. Um, I, and I have always respected with, with Joe Vaughn um, his straightforwardness. You know, Samuta and, uh, and Kamaka were voted by the players as team captains. So that should kind of take away the whole, you know, find another captain amongst themselves. Um, I, in in watching what I have seen, have have not seen anything that would indicate to me that the players don't view them as leaders. I still see that amongst that group. I don't know that I would even go take last night's game and take it that far. Look, last night was harsh. Last night was tough. I remember I I let out something last night that I never do. 
There is a point. I don't know if the audio is there, Tanner. Probably it probably will take too long to find. Don't try. There was a point that was so frustrating for me last night. There was the time where Coach Gannott was trying to call a timeout toward the end of the first half. And he's trying to get the coach's attention. He's trying, he's trying, and he's trying. Or not the coach's attention, the referee's attention. The referee, I don't know if he was deaf. I don't know if he just wasn't paying attention. I don't know if he was purposely not trying to give a timeout. I doubt it's that. But Coach Gannott's calling for timeout, calling for timeout. It's right in front of me, and I'm, I, and I'm starting to say it on the air. The timeout is finally given. The game was so frustrating at that point. I think I let out. I, 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 we did the timeout. I had to do the read for the timeout, and I think I, I think I let out a yikes right after that. It was that emotionally draining to see a team that is struggling, a coach who is trying to get a referee's attention, who is trying so hard three or four times, timeouts. Like the referee's like right in front of him. He's running back. He says timeout. Does nothing. Seven feet later, timeout. Does nothing. Finally, referees across half court. Coaches motioning. He's running up the floor, motioning timeout, yelling for timeout. And finally, after three and four, or three or four times, the referee finally turns around and gives the timeout. But it's like should have never gone to that. And in the, the construct of how bad that first half was, I even let out a yikes on the air, and that never happens, or or, or something similar to that. Right after doing the timeout read, and I never do that. Um. But I don't know that I'm willing to go as far as changing captains. That's not my place. Um, you know, Coach Gannat has left that up to the players. They vote. Um, and I'm sure if for whatever reason the players felt like they needed different captains, I'm sure they would probably make that decision to to do that on their own and not need anybody to like hold their hand and be like, yeah, you guys need to think about some – some some different captains. I'd be willing to believe that that would probably go a little bit differently. But you know that to me is not. I I I don't know that I would go as far as like looking at that from like a leadership perspective. I'd probably look at that more like along the lines of it was a rough night, and Texas A&M Commerce came in the better prepared team. Um. You know, and, and and like I said at the beginning of the show, I I'm not spending time on the referee thing at the end because I don't want that to be like the excuse. But their substitution patterns kept their guys fresh. They were the deeper team with Hawaii's injuries. They crashed the boards. They did all the things that they needed to do to win the hustle points. That's how they won the game. Um you know, because both teams did not shoot the ball very well last night. But Texas A&M Commerce won the game because they did the little things better. Crashed the boards, forced turnovers, got Hawaii out of its rhythm. They did those things. Hawaii at times did those, but not enough. And uh, games that are low scoring and offensive, not offensive, tend to lead to those uh, to, to those things being key factors. Uh, we'll close out the program coming up in uh, just a little bit 
as we get you through your Thursday. Hope your commute's going well. Um, your texts, your calls, we welcome men uh, here at 808-296-1420. It is the Sports Animals. You are listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Okay, we found poor Tanner. We found the audio of me even losing my mind a little bit uh, when Iran Ganat was trying to call timeout last I take, night. I take glory in trying to find small moments like this. By the way, yeah, I don't know why. Why? What? What's? Where? Where's the glory in this? I think it's the sicko in me. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're part of the sicko committee in college football. I forgot about that. All right. Uh, yeah, this is me kind of like losing losing a little bit of my mind. Uh, with Iran Gannat trying to call a timeout toward the end of the first half. You can go and uh, play it. To the rim and lays it in. And Iran Gannat wanted a timeout. He never got the call. Nobody hears him. McClanahan across midcourt. Coach Gannat still trying to call for a timeout. Now gets it. He asked for it for about four times. The official didn't hear him. Finally gets the call six seconds later. With 26.6 remaining in the first half, it is 23-15. Yikes. <laughs> well, I guess I realized I forgot to do the read. <laughs> Unless I did the read, did I do the read after? Or no? We, you, you take part, you, you take glory in the fun part. You don't take glory in the actual business part. But the fun part, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the read came after. But uh, the read comes out. Oh, the read does come after. Okay, so if so, if uh, the the the. Uh, Salesperson and or client is listening. I did take care of the timeout read as I was supposed to, and I remember doing it all four times last night. But that's um, that was the microcosm of scoring 15 points in the first half, which would be the lowest scoring first half Hawaii's had all year. A referee incapable of hearing a coach calling for timeout when the coach is right next to him, and then about five feet from him, and it's not like it was packed. At Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. It's not like that crowd was bustling with energy because, you know, again, 15 points were scored in the first half at that point in time. It's not like any of that happened. So, yeah, um, all of those things, and I don't normally let out a yikes like that. Um, that is usually kept out of my vocabulary when a game starts up until when the game ends and I put the headset down and I walk away. Um, but I think you could understand a human moment. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes it's reflective of what the individual who is listening in Section K with his Sony Walkman, whether he's got the earbuds or the old, you know, coverings over the ear, is probably thinking as they're listening and watching, they're probably thinking the same thing, just probably with more more vulgar language than I'm allowed to use based on FCC guidelines while calling a game. Um, so that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Your finger is next to the space bar. Why? Yikes! <laughs> Next, without me knowing, that's probably going to go in our button bar, and that's probably going to be used for every time. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and save that. And you know what we're going to use that for? Put that in the button bar. We're going to use that for every time we get a text message 
that sends me off the rails, um, we're going to play that. So, for example, I'll give you an example, and I want to see if uh, I want to see if you and I are on the same page with this one. If I can, uh, if I can find it here, I and I think now I realize this texter is saying the text earlier was more of a joke, but you know what? Not knowing it at the time, here let's let's practice to see if you would use this or not. Texter says, "I agree with the caller. The basketball team should only have to play once a week." Yikes. Okay. Now we just got tightened it up a little I bit. I didn't know if there was more to the text. Oh, no, no, no. There's, 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 there is not more to the text. Uh, it was simply that. And I think now the 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 texter is kind of saying that it was kind of a funny that he was giving. Although, you, look, in text messages, you can't tell sarcasm. Um, unless you clearly state in your text message, sarcasm here. Um but it sounds like there might have been a little sarcasm after the fact. But, yeah, when I certainly read that, that would have elicited that kind of reaction. So uh, keep that in the, the, the back depths of our system. Uh, and anytime something elicits me to, uh, to that, and you'll probably know because I'm probably going to give you a look. Uh, and I'll probably, being as Portuguese as I am, also have hands waving as I say it and give the look. You'll know what to do. You'll know exactly what to do. Uh, final thought today is on the expansion of the college football playoff. We, we went one way with it, and I actually meant to go another. Never really had the chance to do it because, you know, we had some fun today. Um, this this show actually uh, gave me a boost of energy today, which is good. I'm, I'm glad it did. Uh, but we got to the college football playoff expansion because we got the Rose Bowl involved. Uh, and the Rose Bowl has now helped us expand to the quarters and, and uh, semis eventually in, in, tw- in the 2024 season. But, you know, what we, we also didn't mean to go to is what this does to the rest of the bowl system. You're going to see um, the haves and have-nots of bowl season come the 2024 season. Here's what I mean by that. You're going to have more games that are going to be involved in the process. You're going to have your six bowls that represent a quarterfinal or a semi. But you know what that also means? That means less bowl-eligible teams outside of those that already go to the college football playoff. That takes eight more away. You know, this year, we don't have enough bowl-eligible teams. We're going to be at least two short. And New Mexico State today was granted a waiver um, they're going to go in with five wins, maybe six. They play Valpo this weekend. Um, but they got a waiver. They had a game that was lost against San Jose State because of the death of uh, a San Jose State player, tragically. Uh, but Jerry Kill's taking his team to a bowl game. You might have two other five-win teams making it to the postseason. We're going to be short. ESPN says they're not going to bring back the Frisco football classic like they did last year. That's not happening. So we're going to be even shorter on teams probably next year. So what bowl games at some point, or not next year, but two years from now, at some point we're going to have to start trimming some of the fat of bowl season. 
The question is going to be, and ESPN Events is really going to come under the microscope for this because a lot of these bowls are theirs. Which games do you trim? And uh, there is no easy answer to this one. This is another one we can talk about down the road. We'll see you tomorrow after volleyball. Have a great drive home. Coming up next, it is Freddie and Fitzsimmons. You've been listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. It's ESPN Honolulu.